So, I don't know if this is going to make the video, but... <sighs> I think I might own the biggest shiny ditto in the world, possibly. Ah, my lights! <laughs> I knocked the lights over, that was bound to happen. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Access Ability. It's a show on YouTube where I talk about the video game industry, accessibility, and representation. Basically, how can we help more people to play games, and more people to see themselves in the games they play? I'm your host, Laura. I'm a white woman with bright blue hair, shaved on one side, wearing a plain black dress and a leather jacket. If you followed my work for a while, you might be aware that I spend a lot of my recreational video game time doing something called shiny hunting in the Pokemon series of video games. If you don't know anything about shiny hunting, um, shiny Pokemon are different colour variations of the creatures in the Pokemon series. You find them purely by random chance. They have a 1 in 4096 chance of happening, and most people never bump into them. Now, there are things you can do to make those odds a little better, but no matter what you do, if you want to go and find a shiny version of a Pokemon, you are going to, like I do, need a lot of repetition and a lot of good luck. Most people who play the Pokemon games will play the series and never accidentally encounter one of these incredibly rare Pokemon. I go looking for them, and in the last few years I have managed to find shiny variants of 85% of all Pokemon ever released in any of the games. I really like repetitively hunting for these things. When I tell people about my shiny Pokemon collection, the response I usually get is something along the lines of you must be so patient, you are so dedicated, how do you how do you put so much time into this? It must be such hard work. And usually my response to that is to go, you know, I understand why you would see it that way, and I can understand why you wouldn't want to do this, but for me, it's just a really good crutch for my mental health and has been a really good coping tool for managing my mental health conditions. So today, on Access Ability. We're going to be talking about shiny hunting in the Pokemon series, and how that relates to neurodiversity. I'm going to be talking about some of my own mental health conditions, and some of the ways that shiny hunting in Pokemon has been really good for keeping my mental health in a good place. We're also going to talk about some of the ways that shiny hunting has at times caused me distress, and some of the changes that I'd love to see made to shiny hunting in the series to avoid that happening in future. And lastly, we're going to talk about some of the very specific tricks that shiny hunting uses to feel rewarding, and how other games use those to get money out of vulnerable players. I want to start this video by making it clear, up front, that I do not think that every person who gets heavily into shiny hunting in the Pokemon series is neurodiverse. There are many reasons that someone might get into shiny hunting. This video is purely talking about my own specific experiences with this form of gaming. So, a little about myself. I'm autistic, and I have ADHD. I was diagnosed on the autism spectrum a little over a decade ago, and diagnosed with ADHD earlier this year, for which I'm now on medication. I've spent a lot of time this year learning to unpack my two overlapping conditions, and how the two seem to intersect with my love for shiny Pokemon hunting. 
As someone on the autism spectrum, I find repetition and set collection really comforting. The world is unpredictable and ever-changing, hard to account for, and that can be overwhelming. And that causes me a lot of distress as someone whose brain is wired to crave routine and consistency. When I'm stressed, like many autistic people, I engage in a behaviour called stimming, where I repeat certain physical movements over and over to create a sense of predictability in the chaos. When I'm at rest and craving that predictability, I turn to shiny hunting. A recent shiny hunt I've been engaging in that sums this up pretty well is shiny hunting for Dialga in Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. This is a soft reset shiny hunt, meaning that there's no way for me to improve my odds above 1 in 4096, I just have to save next to the encounter, start the fight, see if it's shiny, if not, close the game, and reopen it to try again. It's extremely repetitive, doing nothing but restarting a game over and over, taking 45 seconds per attempt. Statistically, this should take me around 50 hours of real-world time to find this shiny. But there's no guarantee of that. Finding one that isn't shiny doesn't get me closer to the shiny, it's still a 1 in 4096 roll every time I try. I could reset the game for longer than most people will spend with their full playthrough of the story mode, and never find the shiny I'm looking for, but all that time I am repetitively working towards a goal, doing the same thing over and over, with the pretense of an end goal keeping me going. Beyond the joy and calm of repetition, I've always loved the Pokemon series as an autistic gamer, due to its focus on set collection. Filling in the missing gaps in a collection is deeply satisfying, but to do so in a Pokemon game always leaves me wanting more. It's never a big enough challenge to keep me going from one Pokemon release to the next. Shiny hunting being such a time-consuming process means that there's always a new, elusive, shiny Pokemon hiding away somewhere that I can go looking for if the desire arises. So, what about ADHD? Well, ADHD is a condition that stems from a lack of the reward chemical dopamine in the brain that can cause a variety of issues as a result. I've always been very impulsive due to my ADHD. I don't have enough dopamine, and as such, I impulsively do things to try and find it. And one of the ways that that has manifested for me over time is as a desire to gamble and take risks. When constantly dopamine-starved, rolling the dice and seeing what happens is a great way to get quick, fleeting hits of a chemical most people take for granted as being present in their brains. It's like offering someone who's dehydrated alcohol. It's not a healthy solution, but it's incredibly hard to turn down when your body doesn't have enough liquid in it. No matter what shiny hunting method you pick in a Pokemon game, there is a heavy dose of randomization and little dopamine reward doling out throughout the process. Take for example Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl's radar chaining. You've got whatever the odds are of finding the Pokemon you want to shiny hunt, then you have to successfully win 40 rolls of an invisible dice with a 93% success rate each time, but when you compound 40 rolls of a dice with 93% success, that sounds really good, but it ultimately means you've got like a 5% chance of getting through those 40 encounters and having your chain keep going, then 
you have a 1 in 99 chance of finding that shiny Pokemon you've been looking for at that point, like it gets you 1 in 4096 down to 1 in 99. Every one of those dice rolls in those 40, 93% dice rolls will probably let you progress. Like, 93% means that most of the time you roll that dice and you're going to win. So there's these frequent little dopamine rewards, but because of the fact you're having to do 40 of them successfully back to back, you're unlikely to make it all the way to the jackpot of a shiny Pokemon. So you get these little dopamine hits along the way, you kind of expect to lose, but if you get there, you get the big dopamine reward of getting your shiny. While dopamine seeking has been much less of an issue for me since getting my ADHD diagnosed and medicated, if anything, that contrast has only helped to make it more obvious the kind of role that shiny hunting was playing in my life as a coping mechanism for my condition for many years. Shiny hunting in Pokemon is far from the only way that video games can scratch these particular mental health needs. It is unfortunately one of the only video game series where this need can be scratched without the need for risking real-world money spending on randomised rewards. Most of the video game industry ties these kinds of repetitive actions with rare rewards behind spending real money, which in the past has caused issues for me. Before I got into shiny hunting, I for a while got very into the online hero shooter Overwatch which contained real money loot boxes, randomised rewards, and time-limited outfit releases. The combination of my desire to repetitively do actions, complete collections, and gamble for a chance on something rare, led to me spending real-world money I could not afford trying to complete time-limited randomised outfit sets. I had to stop playing Overwatch because it used the same risk and reward mechanisms found in Shiny Hunting but it put them behind repetitive real-world money spending. When real money is involved, these kinds of mechanics go from being a fun distraction to a stressful financial sinkhole of obsession. This all said, I do not wish to paint shiny hunting as a wholly positive experience in my life, as it has been something I've had to work to keep in check at times, particularly when I was first starting out. In some Pokemon games, such as Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, the best shiny hunting methods do not allow the player to stop what they are doing and play something else mid shiny hunt. In that game, you would need to capture more than 30 of the same species of Pokemon in a row, without interruption, to get your shiny odds for that species down to around 1 in 300. Then you'd have to walk around until you were lucky enough to see a shiny. 1 in 300 is pretty great odds compared to 1 in 4096, but that still might be many hours of searching. During those hours of hunting, you could not leave the area you were in, close the game, turn the console off, exit to trade, or basically do anything else at all with your game console, or the chain would disappear and your elevated shiny odds with it. All of the work you had done to reach those elevated odds would vanish. You couldn't reach those good odds, save the game, and try to find your 1 in 300 odds shiny later. You do it now, or never. This, at times, caused me some real distress. I would have times where I wanted to play other games, but fell victim to the sunk cost fallacy, becoming torn between my compulsion to complete the shiny hunt I'd started, and my desire to do something else. 
It was upsetting and distressing, and took some time to work out how to emotionally and mentally process without distress. I get that the Pokemon company wants shiny Pokemon to be rare and elusive, and saving your elevated odds state would make them much easier to find, but the end result is still distressing for me sometimes with my specific mental health conditions. That said, some shiny hunting methods in some games in the series do alleviate this somewhat. If you don't want to shiny hunt Dialga right away in Brilliant Diamond when the game tries to force you to in the story mode, you can knock it out, complete the story, and it'll come back so that you can shiny hunt it in your own time, for example. Walking away from those soft reset attempts and coming back later doesn't make you any more or less likely to get the shiny, it's at fixed odds, you've not lost anything if you come back later and try again. In addition, shiny hunts like the Pokey Radar chaining in the new Gen 4 remakes put most of their randomization on the journey to get to full odds, rather than putting that randomization once you have full odds. At most, getting a radar chain of 40 to get max shiny odds will take you under an hour, with only a 1 in 20 chance you'll actually make it that far without the chain breaking, and giving you a convenient stopping point. If you've reached that point, you can pretty safely get a shiny within 10 to 15 minutes. You spend a lot less time in the I have my best odds I need to stick around zone, and as a result will usually at least once an hour, probably much more frequently, reach a point where your luck didn't work out and you can quit without feeling the sunk cost fallacy pulling at you. My relationship with shiny hunting in the Pokemon games has occasionally been a little bit wobbly, but on the whole it has been a safe, reliable, colourful, positive place to come back to, to do repetitive actions that feel like they're being productive and working towards a goal, with those little dopamine hits as I work towards it. It's completely irrelevant in the grand scheme of things, but it's given me something to do, something to work on. It's given me something repetitive I can do that doesn't feel like I'm wasting my time, because, you know, I can sit and repetitively clap my hands, and I do so when I'm stressed and, you know, don't have a better way to do something repetitive. But if I'm just sat at home and I want the comfort of doing something repetitive and I don't want to beat myself up about it so much, Pokemon Shiny Hunting has been really good at that. As long as shiny hunting mechanics remain a part of the core Pokemon series, I'm going to keep coming back and playing, because they offer a reliable place to just do little imaginary dice rolls where there's no real consequence if things go badly, but if things go well I can add to this little collection of creatures that, just like me, are a little bit rare, a little bit unique, a little bit different, but perfect just the way they are. That said, if you've got any shiny Pokemon that you're willing to trade, hit me up. I've got duplicates, we can, we can work something out. <laughs>